Hello, everybody. Welcome to season three, episode 14 of the Soda Pop podcast. Uh, today, I'm here with Tyler, of course, and also Dr. Wiggins is with us. How are you doing, Dr. Wiggins? I am doing all right. It's Friday, so it's good. <laughs> I completely agree with that. <laughs> the end of the week and, you know, it's pretty much coming to a close. It's just about three o'clock so we only have a couple a couple hours left of uh business hour time so and then the weekend starts but um i just want to start this off by uh asking you to kind of introduce yourself where you're from uh where you went to school the degrees you have and uh what made you choose to become a professor here in the Schultz? well um First of all, it's good to be on with you guys because I know we've tried to schedule this for quite a while now, but my schedule is insane with my teaching and everything here, which we'll get to later, I'm sure. Um, I'm originally from Oklahoma, a small town in the northern part of the state called Ponca City. Um, I was originally born actually in Tulsa, and then when I was young, we moved to Ponca City. It's Ponca City is about... 45 minutes from Stillwater, Oklahoma, where Oklahoma State University is. And that's where I did my undergraduate degree is in music education there. Um, then I went out to Albuquerque to the University of New Mexico to do my master's degree um, because I wanted to, you know, be somewhere different, be at a school that was doing very, very different things and stuff like that. Um, and Albuquerque is still like my favorite place that I've ever lived and may ever live in my entire life. It is just the coolest town ever. Um, after I finished my master's degree there, I went straight into starting my doctorate at Ohio State University. So I'm sad this week because, of course, we got trounced on Monday in the championship game, but that's fine. We're okay. Um, so I started my doctorate up there. Um, did there on a quarter system there. So I did like three quarters, like a year of study up there. Um, and while I was there, Samford University actually had a position come open for a one year teaching appointment for, it was for a marching band director slash percussion teacher. So I went, I actually left Ohio State, took the job at Samford for a one year appointment that ended up being three years long because the teacher that left to go on a sabbatical for the year just decided not to come back. So I held that position for three years where, fun fact, I was Dr. Terrence Brown's band director because he was an undergraduate student and played baritone in my marching band at Samford. Just as a, this is how small the whole world is kind of thing. Um, and in my time that I was at Samford, the teacher that I'd gone to Ohio State to really study with um, moved to another school. And so I decided that I, I had gotten into some different things like chamber music playing and stuff like that. And I wanted to find another school that I thought would work more for my interests at that point. So I actually transferred it during my doctorate to the Hart School, which is at the University of Hartford in Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, it's a conservative, straight up conservatory kind of school. And that's where I actually finished my doctorate. Um, so I did that. 
then while I was finishing up my doctorate, I started looking for work and ended up in the metropolis of Pembroke, North Carolina, um, where the University of North Carolina at Pembroke was. Um, and my job there was actually start the marching band and teach percussion. Um, and again, in the whole small world thing, my boss there was Dr. Kenneth Kitts uh, because he was the provost. Um, I've joked with him that he must have enjoyed working with me enough that he followed me here when I came here after that. Um, and then, so I was there for 11 years. Um, and then my wife is, and like her family and everyone are from Alabama. She's actually a Tuscaloosa native. So we were the total house divided on Monday between, cause she's actually doing her doctorate at Alabama right now also. Um, and so when the, job came open at UNA because Dr. Moyer, who preceded me, moved on. Um, we went out, she, we applied because it was going to get us much closer to family than being in like North Carolina was. And I happened to get the job and it was a initially a one-year appointment. So I actually interviewed for the job in the summer, started, a, moved to UNA the day before band camp started. Um, this was uh, about two weeks after I got hired for the position. It was that fast of a turnaround over the summer. Moved down here. My family moved here in waves to the to the area. And then during that whole first year that I was here teaching, I was also going through the process of interviewing again for the job because they were doing the actual like full time, like permanent search while that was going on. And so managed to get it and I've been here ever since. So that was all the fall of 2014 that that all started. So that's how I ended, that's my very circular route around the country to get to here. That's a really, that's, that's, that's awesome, honestly. <laughs> uh, so like, let's take it back then. Like, you know, you're a very storied, professor like you have a lot of experience you have a lot of education where did your love for music actually come from like what inspired you I'm, I'm guessing as a child to pursue this uh type of field well there was a couple of things one I had an uncle who was a drummer you know when he was going through high school and stuff like that so I kind of knew a little bit about that I mean I didn't really see him play that much or anything but I knew that that was kind of his thing but Somewhere along the way, I guess I started acting interested in drums. And so my first big memory that I remember is on a Christmas day, I woke up and there was a drum, like a drum set that my parents, it was like just from a pawn shop or whatever um, that they'd got me. And I was probably maybe 11, 12 years old, something like that. But this is the part that everybody loves about this story. Leaning against the bass drum head, was the Kiss Alive 2 album. All right, so if you know anything about Kiss, big explosions, makeup, everything else, like they were like the biggest thing in the world. So that was, and I was like absolutely in love with that band at the time. I don't know, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was like the makeup and the theatrics and everything. So that, the, that album was like with the kit. And so like that record, the Kiss Alive 2 record was actually the first thing that I really started hacking around and trying to learn how to play on the drum set and stuff like that. So really Peter Chris, the drummer for kiss was like my first teacher. Um, 
and then you know and then beyond that you know i started you know playing you know discovering like the beatles in chicago and groups like that and everything um and then i started really formally doing band when i was in the sixth grade because that's when they started band where i was um but you know i liked music i loved music but music wasn't going to be my career that th that wasn't my plan um, when I was going through when I was going through middle school and high school, I was on the the soccer team. I was on the baseball team. I did debate. My mom used to say that she never won an argument with me again after I started doing debate. Um, and my honestly, my plan when I went to college was I was going to get a music degree and then I was going to go to law school. Um, because a lot of people don't know this, but law schools and medical schools two of the most popular degree programs at those schools are music degrees. And it's because the, the problem solving skills that are developed in music, the, the ability to like concentrate on like a very small task in order to like perfect it. And, you know, elements like that are like really, really popular with law schools and medical schools. And so that was what I was going to do my, my degree. And then I was going to go on to law school. That, that was the plan. The problem is, is that somewhere along the way in college, I decided I actually really, really liked the music thing. And that was what I wanted to do. And for a while it was going to be, I was going to be, a, I was going to do the high school band director thing. I student taught at Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, which is like a huge, like Bands of America, Grand National Champion kind of band and stuff like that. Um, but while I was doing that, I realized the kind of stuff that I liked and was into and the type of music I was liking and everything, I wasn't going to be able to do at the like middle school, high school kind of level. Like I, I was going to have to be at like the university level to do the stuff that is now I think middle school directors and high school directors are like phenomenal, amazing people because they can do things with students that I can't. Um, because I just, my brain doesn't, my brain doesn't work in a way to be able to like solve that kind of, the problems that they're going to run into with like a be, a beginning, like clarinet player or something like that. I just, I wouldn't get to, I, that wasn't me. Um, so that's why I started doing like the graduate degrees and stuff. Cause I knew I was going to have to do that to be able to teach at the college level. Um, because I was, I'm people in the music department will tell you, I'm into some really weird music. Um, and we do a lot of strange things in the percussion program. Like it is very common for the percussionists to go to like Lowe's with a mallet to play all of the steel pipes in Lowe's or all the flower pots in Lowe's and stuff so that they can find like the sound that we need for a piece that we're doing. Um, and that's just that stuff I wasn't going to be able to do like teaching middle school or high school. And so I knew, I kind of figured out along the way, this is the music that I really like. I'm going to kind of have to be in this place to be able to do that kind of stuff. So. All right. And yeah, yeah. You started talking about the being a part of the, the percussion program here. So uh, I kind of want to move on into, uh, into that section of your long career and journey through, through music. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about uh, the recent Taiwan Percussive Arts Association online? Exactly was it? And uh, 
you kind of cut out there for a second, but um, fortunately I had the question in front of me here. So Taiwan Percussive Arts Association is a, um, it's a percussion organization that sponsors competitions and festivals and stuff like that all the way through Taiwan. Um, one of our faculty members here actually, uh, Yunju Pan is from Taiwan. And she's actually one of the administrators of this competition and everything. And so when she started teaching here, one of the first things that happened was our drumline, the UNA, the like Marching Pride drumline has been invited to go to Taiwan and perform at one of their festivals as like an exhibition group because they're they're really interested in like the American style of like marching band drumming and stuff like that. So this summer, this last summer before the world came apart, we were actually in July supposed to be going over to Taiwan with eight to 10 members of the drumline to uh, perform at this festival. And I was going to judge at it and things like that. So um, when all of that got shut down because of what's going on with like the coronavirus and everything, they made the decision to go to having an online solo competition. Well, we've been trying to get students from here for a long time to get interested in competing and, and as soloists and stuff like that. And it just so happened that since they went to an online competition, they had to do videos to do the competition. Well, we had switched in the fall because of trying to like stay distance and everything like that to their final exam for their private lessons and stuff. Their jury exams were all videoed. So they actually already had videos that they didn't even know that they were going to be able to use for this competition. So when this competition came up. Uh, we talked, you know, we talked to them about doing it and we had three of them that end ended up entering. Um, so Kyle Blair, who's a student that just graduated from here actually ended up placing in first place in the vibraphone category. Um, Miles Wheeler, who's a junior here, placed fifth in the undergraduate marimba division. And then we had uh, Matthew Mansour, who won the, won, the, uh, won the undergraduate marimba division, and then also ended up, they did like overall prizes for the entire competition, which was like 90 to 100 competitors. And he ended up getting the bronze award for the entire competition also. So he ended up like getting the third and it's a it's a competition with like ensembles and adult like professional performers and undergraduates and everything else and he ended up getting third in that um with a video that when he recorded it he just thought he was recording it for his jury um and it ended up so he's won like a cash prize he's gotten all he's gotten all kinds of stuff from being able to do this um but it's just really it's been really cool to see that First of all, competitions like this are often won by students from outside of the United States. Um, they just, they, there's a culture where a lot of times they start on the instruments a lot younger, so they develop a lot further along the way and stuff. And so for a student from, Matt's from Coleman, Alabama, and he entered this international competition in Taiwan and won a division, ended up in third. And I just say, I think it's amazing that he was able to do that. He's a, the, all three of them are super hard workers, super hard students. They're the ones that anytime you walk through the building, you're probably seeing them in there practicing and stuff. And so it's great for them to get this recognition. Just like, I mean, it's great for the school to kind of be on that playing field at this point. So 
and hopefully this summer or at least by the next summer we will get a chance to like actually get everybody over over to taiwan to perform and you know be able to do that have the students get that experience and i think it'll be i think it'll be a great thing no that does sound uh, really amazing you know like hearing you talk about this and hearing you and just talking to you period i can tell that it's like a lot of discipline and a lot of determination that goes into you know practicing this like you know perfecting your craft you know um i was wondering what do you think what do you think like makes a successful percussion student um it's a few things i think one it as with anything it takes discipline um because you a lot of people don't think about this but um like if you play like clarinet for example and Dr. Mercedes is one of my best friends in the world, so she knows that I'm probably about to say this. If you play the clarinet, you play the clarinet, right? You've got like some different clarinets that you can play, bass clarinet, stuff like that, but it's all generally in the bass clarinet family. Um, when you play percussion, it's the amount of instruments that you have to learn how to play is first of all, insane. Because when you think about like if I were to ask you guys what you thought a percussionist was, first of all, every person on this call is going to have a different definition of what a percussionist is, right? But the first thing that comes to mind is like a drummer or, you know, a percussionist playing in like a rock band or a symphony percussionist or a jazz vibraphone player or, you know, and so what you start to realize is there's, a, there's like all these different branches that percussion can be. So I think one of the first things is a student, a student's got to be disciplined because they're going to have to study a lot of different things, right? I think they've got to be curious uh, because when a student comes out of high school, they know they don't, they know what they know and they don't know what they don't know, right? And so they've probably done concert band. They've probably done marching band may have done jazz band, but that's like, that's a pretty limited viewpoint on, you know, kind of what the percussion world, especially what the music world is. And so one of the things that we look for when we are recruiting students, because we have to very actively recruit for the university is uh, we're looking for students that are curious about, you know, what else is out there because we need students that if we say, Hey, we need you to go to play this flower pot. They're not going to go, why are you telling me to play a flower pot? They're going to go, well, that sounds kind of cool. Let me go see what you can do with a flower pot. Um, that's kind of, that's like inherent in our field. Um, and then I think the other big thing that we're looking for is we want people that are good people because people skills, you cannot undervalue people skills in really in any, in any industry but especially in the music scene. Um, so you've got to have someone that can like communicate with other people and, and very importantly can like take critique from a teacher, can take critique from, you know, other people that they're working with because the music field is constantly, you're constantly being critiqued. You know, you've either got your teacher doing it, you've got a conductor doing it, You've got a section leader doing it. You've got somebody that bought an album that you're on doing it. Like criticism is like built into our field. 
And so if you've got somebody that can't really handle that or can't take that, then they're going to have a real hard time advancing. So one of the things that we actually do with our auditions here is we teach them a lesson while they're here auditioning. Um, so they come in like just like at any other audition, they come in, they play their solo pieces and stuff like that. And then what we'll do is we'll start taking things that we noticed in their playing when they audition. And we're like, well, so what if you tried this, you know, or what if you tried maybe making this adjustment to what you do? Or what if you tried doing this differently? And what we're doing is we're looking for how do they take that? You know, do they kind of like, you know, close up and back off or do they like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. Let me, let me try that. Uh, because we're looking for people that, you know, we're going to be able to work with, you know, because there's when you're when you're auditioning students, I look at it very much as I'm auditioning them, but they're also auditioning us. You know, they're making the decision. Are these people that are going to give me information in a way that I'm going to be able to take it and run with it and everything? Um, and so it's really kind of those things, you know. Are they a good person to be around? Can they take, can they take adjustment? You know, um, are they curious? Are they disciplined? You know, those are the those are kind of the things that we really have to have to make this all work. So. Okay, and so like all those qualities that you just listed are are super important, um, and I can see that in seeing, you know, walking around campus, seeing uh, various you know percussion students mm -hmm. just practicing everywhere i see them everywhere outside uh norton outside kobe hall um <laughs> i see them everywhere so i think those are important qualities um so including those how competitive would you say a uh, a student needs to be to help them be successful um i think i think you have to be competitive in the right way um and i say that because there are elements of this where it is straight up competition. You know, you have an audition, your job is beat the other person in the audition so that you can get the job. Or in an ensemble, your job is beat the other person in the audition. But the competition for music students is really has to be much more internal than external because the, the number of jobs that there are compared to the number of students going through a music school are just, like it, it doesn't even begin to match up. And so the, the student has to, it's kind of like the Michael Jackson thing. You're going to lose more times than you're going to win, right? But you have to be motivated all the time to be on all the time so that you're ready for that one shot that you get, right? Um, a good thing that I've heard a lot of people talk about is you never know in any performance or any rehearsal when that person that needs to hear you is going to hear you, right? Um, you know, so they have to, they have to have that internal motivation. They have to be competitive in that way, you know, that they're competing that, you know, I'm always making sure that I'm on and I'm doing the best that I can in any situation. Um, and so they have to have that kind of drive, you know, and you hear the stories all the time about, you know, teachers telling people, well, if you're not practicing, then somebody else is, well, no one can practice. 24 hours a day. It's not possible. So I think being competitive is an aspect of it, but I think being smart is an aspect of it. You know, being able to work smart and efficiently 
will actually make you more competitive in the long run. Um, and so, yeah, so I think it's, you know, to get into the studio is kind of competitive because we do have a large number of people that audition and things. Um, but, you know, at the same time, we're a regional university. We get students from every imaginable background, you know, from students that have had a percussion instructor all the way through school to students that have maybe had very little instruction. And so when they come to audition, we're looking for, you know, is there something we feel like we can work with and grow there? So there's competition to it, but I really think it has to be much more the internal kind of thing. Um, you know, always trying to be like as good and as strong because our field is so subjective that you can win an audition and that doesn't necessarily mean you were the best person, right? That means that at that time that you went and played that grouping of people that heard you in that one moment in time versus this other person decided to go with this other person. That doesn't mean that person's necessarily a better player than you. You never, you can never know what those variables are going to be. And so you just always have to be competitive enough with yourself to be on so that you're ready when you're in front of the right group of people that you're supposed to be in front of at that moment to get the position that you're trying to. So I really think it is much more of an internal thing than an external thing. You, you could drive yourself nuts trying to be externally competitive and motivated in, the, in this field. You know, there'll be, in an average year, there'll be maybe three symphony orchestra percussion positions that'll come open in like, you know, one of the major orchestras in a year. And you'll have 200 people applying for that position. You know, so if you make or break your entire thing on trying to compete against those 200 people, you're, you're never going to be satisfied. You just, you have to be able to find other things about it that are going to work for you. Okay, I'm going to go off the cuff a little bit here, but I'm okay. really curious. Um, have you ever seen the movie Whiplash before? I have. Okay. So, you know, you just said, and I agree with you, and you understand in the movie, it was fiercely competitive externally because he was trying to impress his teacher. Right. And then in the end, he ended up being in the place where he needed to be right. because he practiced so much. So would you mm -hmm. agree with that method of teaching? I mean, not that method, but would you agree with like, uh, you know, like practicing to that extent in order to get to that level? Not in the way that it was done in that movie. Um, because yes, you do want to practice a lot you know, you want to practice to, to like become like the absolute best uh, you get. You know, we've all heard the whole like uh, the thing about like the 10, it takes 10,000 hours to master something and stuff like that. So, you know, there's always going to be you having to like put in that work. But it's also, and this is the thing that I think a lot of the, I mean, first of all, I have never, ever in my life run into a teacher like that like the one in Whiplash. And I don't know, I don't personally know anybody in the music field that has. That was so over the top with how the, the, the now there's truthfulness, like the, th the symbol being thrown at the guy's head did actually happen, but that was not in a university. That was on a professional gig. Um, so there is like, but I've never seen a teacher like that. I've never 
I mean, I've known students that practice till like their hands bleed, but they didn't end up any better because what ends up happening is you do that and then you can't practice anymore for a while because you had to let your hands heal. So it becomes self-defeating at that point, right? So that's why I mentioned the whole, you got to be able to work like smarter and you have to have a life other than this. Um, because if you're not, if you're not experiencing, you know, hanging out with friends, dating, going to the lake. Now, don't go to the lake right now. Don't do any of that right now. Don't do any of that at the moment, right? But in a normal time in society, when you would do those kinds of things, reading a book, you know, sitting out in the middle of the quad reading, if you're not doing those things, you're not going to be able to be a good musician because all you're going to be doing is regurgitating ink blots on a page that somebody else put there. You're not going to bring anything to life in that, right? And so I think that's one of the big places that that really, like, really missed the boat is like he was, so, he was so obsessive about trying to impress that teacher and everything that in the end, it was really self-destructive. Um, and yeah, by the end, he, you know, caught the bus, got to the gig and everything like that. But there was so much damage that was done through that process that the sequel to that movie would be a very interesting psychological case study. <laughs> right. Um, and I just think if you have to, you know, there used to be like the whole concept of like the Renaissance man right which was a person that was schooled in art and culture and music and like that was like that was like the ideal that everyone was striving for somewhere along the way the renaissance man became dude who makes a lot of money and so all of that other stuff like that made people who they were kind of went by the wayside and i think that the same thing can happen in the music industry you can be a well-rounded person you can be into it for the art you can be into it for the creativity and stuff like that or there's a lot of people that are into it straight up just you know to make the money well there's going to be like a different level of like what they bring to like other people in that experience and stuff as they do it um and i'm not against making money i gig to make money and everybody does but you have there has to be more to your life than just this like one thing you know, it's very, it's very, very hard. Life is hard enough as it is to try to like go, navigate it, having such a singular focus on like, you know, like my, my, my job, I, I teach percussion. I, I like teach concert percussion. I go out to the football field. I chase a marching drum line around. I go to a symphony rehearsal and I play with an orchestra. I go to a contemporary ensemble rehearsal and I work with like woodwind players that are playing and things like that. And then I've got, I've got three daughters. I read obsessively. I'm a huge sports junkie. I don't even listen to music that much. When I'm like driving the car, I'm listening to ESPN radio. <laughs> or when my daughters get a hold of the radio, I'm listening to Pop Rocks on Sirius XM. But, you know, so I'm like, you know, you've got to, you've got to have more, you've got to be able to bring more to the table. And so everybody that I know that saw that movie was like, yeah, I, I'm not sure that this has really helped our field all that much. 
Um, I mean, it was entertaining. It was well acted, but I, I think students now, if a teacher actually tried to do that, they would like they just walk out of the room. <laughs> so, I don't know if that actually like answered your question or not, but. <laughs> No, it definitely did. Uh, it definitely did. And I do think you brought up some really important points, you know, saying that you should have a life outside of this because you're only being self-destructive if you are that obsessive about anything. Right. So I think that's, I think that's a good point to make for anybody that's a Yeah, I think it's just, you have to be, you know, you have to be happy. You know, you have to you have to find like what's you know what your happiness what your happiness is going to be, and you know if you go into music, there's going to be times where music is just work. You know, there are times where you have to go in and like your job is learn these notes, and stuff, right? But so you've got to have something else that's going to counterbalance that, or you're or you're just or you're going to drive yourself up the wall, you know, obsessing about oh man I missed like that fourth note like 45 times in my practice session today. Well, okay. What you probably should have done was about the 15th time just stopped and gone on to something else for a little while because those other 30 times you just kept missing it. <laughs> so. So balance is probably one of the most important. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, so you did mention Renaissance then, right? Uh -huh. So, you know, names like Childish Gambino, Will right. Smith, you you have a guest artist who worked with these musicians yeah. for your students uh, to listen to. Why do you think this is uh, important for them? A lot of the things that we just talked about. Um, one, you know, they well, for example, just on Monday we had John Roberts, little John Roberts on, um, who he's the he's the touring drummer for Janet Jackson. Okay, so. First of all, when he was talking to the students, he was talking about how, you know, when he was growing up, he was a young kid playing drum set, gospel drum set in the churches. You know, he was in like middle school band. He played a little bit in high school. Um, he like went to Bur and like, so th what they're hearing is that these people that they're seeing on like, you know, these music award shows or seeing on these concert hall stages and stuff like that, they all started out in the same place that these students did, right? So what it does is it makes any of these goals and dreams that they have seem actually attainable. And I think that's important because when you see all of these artists that are at that level, that it seems like I'm never going to be able to do what they... Well, man, they, they all started out sucking in the practice room too. They all had to... They didn't come out playing... You know, like playing Jackson, Jan Janet Jackson, like drum set beats, you know, they had to learn somewhere. And then these people come in and they talk about, you know, I had to I had to have this. I did this. I studied this. I did these steps along the way. And so what happens is the students get reinforced the process that it kind of takes to get there. Right. Because American Idol broke music education because American Idol put out there the idea of the the overnight success right where you've got this person that you know they really played on the background of this person's not done any study they've never gone to school 
they showed up to this audition. They sang, they blew us all away. And right. And it's like, it's sort of like that where very few of those people are actually that kind of a story. Right. But that's the story that they kind of ran with, with a show like that. Okay. So I think it's important for the students to first see that it's not that kind of progression. Like there is like, they, they start to see what's common, the common elements between all of these different careers. Right. They also, it goes back to, you know, when I was talking about how like there's so many branches to like the percussion scene, it's important for them to see that there are people that are making a living in all of these different areas, right? All these different areas of percussion, you know, drum set players. That one's obvious. Jazz vibraphone players. Everybody's seen jazz vibraphone players around. Tempanists in an orchestra, you know, uh, guys that play like kunga drums. I mean, that's an entire career, you know, just being able to do that really well. Steel drums, you know, you can go to Northern Illinois University and get a graduate degree in playing steel drums, you know, because these are all like, with percussion, they're all like actual career paths that branch off kind of from that main tree of percussion. And so it's important for them to see that there's people that can do that and that what it does is it validates their interests. So when they come to school here, one of the things that we do is they their first year or two is like fairly disciplined as far as like everybody kind of does the same sort of things, right? They're studying snare drum, they're studying rhythm, because we kind of want to make sure that they're like at a sort of a baseline core standard of everything they do. But then what we're also doing is we're introducing them to, hey, go check out this Middle Eastern hand drumming thing or but check out the Irish Bowron, you know, this Irish drum thing. Or, you know, you can, uh, you know, t go take Tom Hurst's class. Tom Hurst is the, uh, the touring drummer for the country artist Tracy Lawrence, right? He teaches drum set here. So our students can take drum set lessons with Tracy Lawrence's touring drummer. You know, and so um, they can take hand drumming with uh, Mark Katsunas, who actually lives in New York City. But um, and does things like, you know, plays on Broadway. He's he was the percussionist for like Mean Girls on Broadway for a while and stuff like that. And so but he studied, traveled all the world studying like hand drawing and stuff. They can study that with him. And they, what they learn is that I've got a baseline that I can do, but this is what I'm really interested in. And I think this is the thing that is interesting about percussion. Not every student that comes through percussion is going to have the exact same interests in percussion. And that's totally cool. And we've structured the program for that. Right. And so we bring in these guest artists from all of these different areas so that they can start to see, okay, this person had this interest. This is kind of the path that they took. I could kind of follow, you know, along with what they're doing there. But the other big thing is they're making contacts. Our students are making contacts on a regular basis with the people that are the movers and shakers in the industry. You know, with Tom Hurst teaching drum set here, and we've had Rich Redman, who's Jason Aldean's drummer, taught drum set here for a little bit. Uh, Jim Riley from Rascal Flats has done like some classes down here and stuff with them. Our students graduate knowing people in Nashville, like in the studio scene in Nashville. They're studying with Mark Katsunas, who lives in New York. If they decide that they want to go to New York and try to make it as a percussionist, they know a, they know a person. 
So they're not going in to wherever it is that they're trying to move to. They're not trying to go in and cold call someone because it is a business. You know, they're going in and, you know, this person's like, okay, let me hook you up with X, Y, Z people. You know, I'll tell them you're getting now. You have to not blow it <laughs> when they do get you in that door. But that door gets opened for you. And I think that's a really important thing that happens. We've had guest artists come in here. The students have then gone and studied with them in graduate school. You know, so it's really it's all of those things. Then the other main thing and is that. The it reinforces what we're teaching. Because we have yet to bring in a guest artist that somewhere along the way has not hit on bullet points A, B, C, and D that we have been trying to get across with certain students. But, you know, it's the whole when Janet Jackson's drum set player says, you should do this. Whoa, this person knows what they're talking about. They're on tour with Janet Jackson. Maybe I should try that. Well, we've been telling you that for like two years, but if that's what it takes as Janet Jackson's drummer to get you to believe it, that's fine. You do you, boo. Um, you know, so that's the other reason that we do it. Is it actually, it strongly reinforces what we're teaching in the program. So. All right. Well, uh, we're running a little close to, to time. So right. uh, just going to, like, I want to go ahead and sign off. But before I do that, um, are there any like current plans that you have uh, for this semester uh, that you have uh, planned out or do you have a certain outlook that you want to see through the program? I mean, right now, the biggest thing is we want the, we want the students to stay safe. You know, we, uh, we have an advantage playing percussion and that they can actually wear a mask the entire time we're playing. So we haven't had to go as virtual as a lot of other things have been able to we we've had percussion ensemble and everything like that they're just they're in a mask our instruments naturally distance themselves and so we've kind of been able to we've really been able to kind of function fairly normally um you know we've got uh we've got a few concerts planned for this semester you know uh like march 2nd april 12th i think and then like april um end of april the percussion group um and we're, you know, we're hoping that everything works out for us to be able to do those. But because we've had a teacher in New York, we've actually got a teacher that lives in San Francisco that teach via Zoom and have been for like four years. When we had to go virtual, that actually did not shock our students at all because they were already used to doing some of that. And it's the same thing with like our concerts. We've already done We've already historically done a lot of recording of our concerts and things. And so if we can't do it live, it's not going to be a huge shock to their systems for us to say, all right, we're going to go into Norton. We're going to set up some cameras. We're going to get like some good recordings of this and we're going to get some stuff out there. But I think the biggest thing that I think people would be interested in is we're part of a commissioning project of six new pieces for percussion ensemble, all of which we're, we're playing this semester that are for diverse and underrepresented composers. Um, and that's a big mission of our program is trying to get, you know, we have to kind of be activists, you know, in our field. You know, we have to get composers out there that people aren't hearing from that don't have the easy path 
to getting their music played and stuff like that. And so they started this commissioning project that, you know, there's six different composers. We're not going to advertise what they're, how they're represented because they don't, they don't want that. They don't want to be known as I'm XYZ composer. They just want their stuff played. They want to be known as a composer. So that's what, that's what we're doing with it. So there's going to be six new pieces by composers that it's a fabulous project. The pieces are awesome. The kids are, the students are having a great time learning them. And I think it's really important. You know, we've done things like we've, uh, we've taken donations for Room in the Inn Shoals. Like we did a concert where we took like hand warmers and we took like a stack of, we're trying to teach them to be part of the community and, you know, feel like what they can do can help the community through what they're doing. So that's the other thing that we're really trying to do some of this year, especially with Lord knows everybody needs help right now because it it is what it is so <laughs> well all right um like you said earlier right at the beginning of this episode it's been a long time in the making to get this yep. together percussion is a very busy part of yes. the music program <laughs> um by far from what i've seen probably the busiest so i want to thank you for taking time being able to come on and, and have this conversation with us uh I know Monica was really interested in um, all these topics that we talked about. And so uh, we were as well uh, while doing research and everything. So thank you for coming and being a part of this. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. Uh, does UNA Percussion have any uh, social media that you, you may want to shout out? Real we do. We are at UNA Percussion on Twitter and at UNA Percussion on Instagram. We have a UNA Percussion YouTube channel which has like all of our concert videos, drumline videos, everything like that on there. Um, and then we have a uh, university of North Alabama percussion Facebook page. So we are on all, we actually even have TikTok, but I, I'm not strong with the TikTok or the Snapchat game. We actually do have both of those under UNA percussion too. Um, so we are on all of the social medias <laughs> and Instagram, oh, Instagram and YouTube are probably the two to like, really like keep most up with what we're doing so all right well go follow those social media pages uh give them some love and i'm sure they'll be posting about all the events that he he just listed whenever they occur if they're able to and i'm sure we'll share them on our school of the arts page as well um also follow us on all of our social medias as well we have um instagram twitter facebook we also have a uh YouTube channel. It's University of North Alabama School of the Arts. Check that out. Um, but as of that, that's all we have for you on this episode. Thank you all for watching and listening, whichever you're doing. And we'll see you guys next week. Hey guys, make sure to check out all of our social medias. Feel free to send us your feedback at arts at una.edu or through the DMs of any of our social media. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you in the future. This podcast has been brought to you by UNA School of the Arts. Executive producer is Mark Gallegos, co-produced by Selena Fugate and Tyler Hankins. Special thanks to Dr. Terrence Brown and the entire SOTA staff.